My name is Alexander Hamilton And there's a million things I haven't done But just you wait, just you wait When he was ten, his father split full of it Dead, ridden two years later See Alex and his mother bedridden, half dead Sitting in their own sick, the scent thick And Alex got better, but his mother went Hello, everyone, and welcome to Next Best Theater. I'm your host, Michael Schwartz, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Nicole Ackman. Hi, everyone. Dan Bayer. In the room where it happens. <laughs> Casey Lee Clark. Hello. Cody Derricks. Hi. And Lauren LaMagna. More than satisfied. <laughs> this is a very exciting day on the podcast, as we are finally tackling a show that has been long requested. A show that we have wanted to discuss in detail for some time now, but have never found the right moment to do so. But as it approaches its fifth anniversary on Broadway, we wanted to take this opportunity to break down Lin-Manuel Miranda's Hamilton. And to make that even more exciting, you will be able to watch Hamilton filmed live from the Richard Rogers Theater with the original cast beginning on Friday, June 3rd, only on Disney+. There's no more need to wait for it. (laughs) No more need to wait for it. That is correct. I don't want to say much more in terms of an introduction here, as I assume everyone listening already knows the show. They already love the show. So we are going to make this very quick, and I'm going to turn it over to my friend Nicole, who has some talking points for us. And this is going to be a very free-flowing conversation of Hamilton love, I assume. So Nicole, go for it. Yeah, I put together some questions that I thought could kind of help guide our conversation. But I think, as you said, most people listening to this probably have an idea of what Hamilton is. So unlike our normal episodes, we're not really going to pick the show apart in the same way that we normally did would do. And the first thing that I wanted to do was to go around and have everyone kind of talk about what their Hamilton story is. You know, how did you first hear about Hamilton? What was your first experience with it? Have you seen the show? If so, you know, how did that happen? How did you get tickets? Um, Because obviously that's been a little bit of a difficult thing. (laughs) Um, And just kind of talk about, you know, what, what your experience with it is, what your relationship with Hamilton is. So uh, Dan Baer, would you like to start? I would love to start um, because my history with Hamilton is long and frustrating. Um, (laughs) So back in, um, Lord, 2015, when it premiered at the public? 15, Uh, yeah. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, 2015. Um, a good friend of mine uh, called me after she got out of the show. And this is in like its first week. And said, Oh my God, I just saw this thing at the public, and it's Lynn Manuel's new musical, and it's about. It's about Alexander Hamilton, and did you read the biography? And it's brilliant. It is the the best musical I've ever seen. It's incredible. And this is someone who has like been on Broadway, like actually performed in stuff on Broadway, so she knows what she's talking about. And and she's like, and they're doing a lottery every day. Hamilton for a Hamilton, you get in for ten dollars if you win, and you have to do it. You have to do it. You you just have to do it every day. Got to get down here because it's amazing and it's going to sell out. And I said okay, and I entered the Ham for a Ham lottery every day that it was at the public and never won. 
And then once it opened on Broadway, I entered the lottery every day, and I never won. And then, (laughs) in um, 2016, um, before... That my my sister and her husband were in the city for a day, and they had gotten um, tickets through the TKTS booth to see oh uh, uh, six degrees of separation with Allison Janney, and we're kind of looking forward to it because Allison Janney. And no, wait, no, 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 no. I lied. I lied. I lied. Completely fucked that one up. They were in the city. They're going about their lives. And they walked to the Hamilton lottery to try to do the ham for ham at the door. Didn't win. But a couple that was there won and gave them their tickets to see... Six Degrees of Separation with Alice and Janney, because, of course, Hamilton is obviously a better deal. <laughs> um, so I was, like, insanely jealous that they got to see that. But then they... <laughs> so the not long after that, they got married. And I was, like, I basically ran interference for the two of them all day with like all the, they were planning the wedding themselves. Have you seen the show? (laughs) Yeah, I'm getting to it. Hold on. (laughs) We got to hear about the catering first. (laughs) (laughs) Dan is a storyteller. Let him tell it. (laughs) I, I ran interference for them all day with all the people dealing with everything and it was just like, because that's what I do at work. Like, I deal with a lot of events in, at the nonprofit organizations that I've worked for. And I just, like, did it. And for some reason, they were so happy and grateful that they bought me a ticket to see Hamilton for a year out. <laughs> a year out from their wedding, because that was the soonest that they could get a ticket. Because <laughs> tickets are insane. And so I went. All by myself, which I don't love going to the, see shows on Broadway all by myself, but will sometimes. And this one was absolutely worth it. And like I like no matter what I did for them at their wedding, it is definitely not worth a ticket to see Hamilton because after three, two, two years of waiting. And like mountains of Tony Awards and hype and brilliant reviews and a freaking Pulitzer Prize. Like, you would think that nothing could possibly live up to that, but holy crap. (laughs) It more than lived up to it. And like, listening to the album does not even do the stage show justice. And that's my long and frustrating story. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, Lauren, do you want to go next? Okay. My story isn't that long, but it is entertaining in my eyes. <laughs> so I was watching the 2015 Tonys, and right when it ends, I was talking to my friend as I was at their house. 
um, about the next year, like who do you think is going to win Best Musical? Because it's normal for shows that are currently in production, whether it's off-Broadway or out of town, to move over to Broadway because it's recommended to start off in a smaller theater and work out the twinks before it goes to the big Broadway. And my friend within a second said, oh, it's definitely Hamilton. And I didn't really know that much about Hamilton, so I said, okay, what is Hamilton? And she goes, it's Lin-Manuel's musical. It's literally coming to Broadway within the month. And it was amazing at the public. And I was like, okay, cut to literally like three weeks later. Hamilton opens in July. It's this big juggernaut, breaks the social status quo. Everyone's talking about it. I feel like it's the first show since maybe, I don't know, Wicked that the whole world is talking about, not just, you know, the tri-state mm. area theater community around the world. I feel like it was even like further back, like Rent was the I don't know. Yeah, it was like yeah. big. Like, I don't really. remember living through a time where everyone was talking about a Broadway musical. So that's when I knew, oh, this is definitely going everywhere. And then immediately I was like, oh shit, I need to get tickets. And then you can't. And then you saw that uh, the tickets were $2,000 on StubHub. And I was like, so that's not happening. And I have this rule. I don't know about you guys, but when it comes to musicals that I don't, that I haven't seen yet, I don't want to listen to the album because I know that the songs go with the story. And I know if I listen to them, I'll miss things and I'll spoil some things potentially for myself. I want to see the I'm show. I'm exactly the same. Yeah, way. I want to see the I show. I like to experience it. As the full deal. So I have this rule so I can listen to it. I don't want to know anything about it. And all my friends, you know, they're listening to the album. They're freaking out. They're like, it's amazing. I was like, oh, I can't hear you. I don't want to hear it. It's not like it's not real. So cut to a year of it. I'm like driving to my class and I was like, fuck it. You know, I'm not going to see the show. I'm not going to see the show for like seven years. I know the show will stay on Broadway forever. It'll be fine. So I literally Google YouTube Hamilton and I play the first one that comes up is literally the last song of Who Lives, Who Dies, Who Tells the Story. So I am bawling in my car (laughs) because we'll talk about it later, but like just the music and Philippa Sue, who plays Eliza, and the whole ensemble just starts being their beautiful selves, and they literally start bawling. And then I look at my clock, like, I need to be in class in five minutes. And I look like an entire mess. And my friends, who are also theater nerds, look to me, and they're like, are you okay? And I was like, I just listened to Who Lives, Who Dies, Who Told Your Story for the first time. They're like, oh my god, we need to talk about that. Are you okay? Do you want to go to the bathroom? And I was like, I don't know. So, I knew that it was impossible to get tickets, but I still put Hamilton's Twitter on notifications for me. And I remember seeing Captain America Civil War. So I was with my friends, we were seeing Captain America, and then all of a sudden I get this alert from Hamilton saying that they're releasing tickets. And I remember literally screaming in the theater as like, Captain America and Black Panther are fighting me, and like, I need to go. And I'm calling my mother, be like, give me a date where you can go. I can't guarantee it, but I might be getting Hamilton tickets. I have five minutes to do this. Give me a number. And my mom's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, three minutes, give me a number. Cause I knew that all these tickets would be gone <laughs> mm-hmm. within the nanosecond. So I literally picked a random day trying to figure out, you know, my schedule. Cause I was still at school at that time being like, when will I be in New York? When will I not? Like, I don't know. I picked this random day in December, be like two tickets, go. I don't know. I don't know. Random, like, don't know if I got the credit card numbers right. Freaking out. <laughs> and by the end of the airport battle, I got tickets to Hamilton, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you were doing this in the movie theater? I know. 
politically correct. And I know the theater etiquette. <laughs> Tickets would have been gone in the minute. So I, I mean, some things are worth it. And it was. So that's my story with Hamilton. And I saw that the next December in its second year in New York City. Oh, my God. And it was amazing. Wow. Oh, I loved that. Yeah. That's amazing. So, brothers, I'm sorry, but I had to. <laughs> wow. Um, okay, Michael, do you want to go next? Yeah, absolutely. You know, my history like isn't nearly as... A, I feel like we're playing sh- like show and tell at, at kindergarten again or something. <laughs> I know, this is like, very exciting. We all have like these weird connections, personal connections. Uh, my story isn't nearly as exciting, but there is, you know, there was a wait for it. I had to wait for the show, as they say in it. Uh, it goes back to, I guess, when I'm following Broadway. I've always been a Broadway fan and have been going to New York on and off since I live about two hours out of the city. It's nothing for me to go see like a matinee and then be back. So I would see stuff like The Producers, Avenue Q, Wicked, Book of Mormon, you know, your big shows. But I was never, when I was in high school, like in the weeds with who all the major Broadway players were outside of like the big Tony winners. So someone like Lin-Manuel, I knew who he was based on In the Heights. I knew that it had won the Tony in 2008. I remember him giving a really inspired speech. But I didn't really know much about him. I had never seen In the Heights. I never, never even listened to the album. I just knew that he was someone who was respected, but not really much of his work. So, you know, I followed his career a little bit, like the 2013 Tonys, which he wrote some great opening material for. Heard about him. And then in 2015, I remember seeing on Twitter that there was a show called Hamilton at the Public Theater. And at the time, I didn't even know what the public was. So I did some research into that. I'm like, oh, this is like a thing. This is going to be the next big thing, apparently. And of course, you know, as we all know now, it was. I moved to Broadway a couple months later. And that was also a summer when I was in college that I was going to Broadway a lot more than I had been before. So I was seeing uh, Fun Home, for instance, and a bunch of you know deeper shows than what I had been exposed to in the past. And as I was in New York a couple times that summer, I would walk by the Richard Rogers Theater and see these massive crowds outside, which I later learned was Ham for Ham, these shows that they were doing to promote the lottery and entertaining people. They would have like Patti Lapone come and perform or the cast of In the Heights reunited. So I was thinking, okay, Hamilton is a really, really big deal. This is going to be the show that everyone's seeing. I'm going to have to get tickets to see it one day, but I am not spending Broadway money for what they're charging to Hamilton. I'm not opposed to dropping big money for Broadway, but Hamilton was just outrageous. So I thought, okay, you know what? I'm close enough to New York. I could enter the lottery every day. And if I win, it's nothing for me to hop on a train and be up there in you know three hours and I'll be able to see the show at last minute notice. I entered every day, did not win, like many, many people in the world. <laughs> so as it went on and on, I finally figured, all right, you know what? It's going to come to Philadelphia and once Lynn and the original cast left, I figured, you know, they're going to have a wonderful cast when it comes to Philly eventually. I will just wait to see them. And that's what I did. I waited 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, listening to the album plenty in between. I knew it, you know, like the back of my hand. But I had not had an opportunity to see Hamilton live until just this past August at the Forest Theater in Philadelphia. And seeing it then, knowing the album like I did, Seeing it performed was an entirely new, fresh experience. I have never witnessed anything like it before. Usually when I see a show like The Book of Mormon and know the album, you know you know what's going to happen in every beat to it. Here, even though you know all the lyrics, seeing it done on stage is 
borderline religious, I have to say. It was just something else. And you understand why this is the musical that changed the way we view entertainment on Broadway and why everyone from the Obamas, the Clintons and the Bidens and all your big political players have gone to see it and had great things to say about it. It's a masterpiece for all the deserved reasons, and I hope we're going to get into some of them a little later. I it The staging of it really is so, so brilliant. Also, is there anything more dependable for people who have lived in cities where Ham for Ham was going on than getting that Ham for Ham rejection email every day? Like, uh, there almost became something like oddly comforting it. about it. Like, no, I you were like, like this is the most dependable thing in my life. Every day for five years. Yeah. Yeah. I have never won and I have literally entered every day since it was in the public. Yeah. And I should add, it wasn't just me. I had my parents do it, my friends, my siblings, my neighbors, everyone I knew. I had to enter every day because I said, I will go with you if you win. Just enter for me. That's all you have to do. And nobody won. I would just be like, okay, four o'clock, I'm ready for my rejection email. Yeah. I would occasionally enter from North Carolina because I was like, I mean, even if I had to buy a last minute plane ticket, like that still might be cheaper than buying a ticket to that's, see, that's commitment. I'm like a two hour drive. I could do it. And Nicole's like, I will fly up from the South to see the show. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Casey, do you want to go next? Sure. I feel like my stories aren't nearly as exciting as everyone else's, but it is a story. Um, so I think I became aware of the show. I guess it like premiered when I was in my sophomore year of college. And I was at that point a very cynical theater major, not getting cast in anything, very bitter. And Hamilton, I had heard of it. I'd never listened to In the Heights, but I was vaguely aware of it. Again, I was aware of who Lin-Manuel Miranda was. And it was like Hamilton was this big thing that everybody I knew was listening to. And I think I had the mentality of like, no, nah, everybody else is into it. I'm not going to be into it. <laughs> and so I didn't listen to it. And then I was watching, I guess it probably was 2016 by then. Because this, this was before the Chinese. This was the Grammys when they had it live from Broadway opening number of Hamilton. And that is the first thing I ever heard of Hamilton and I was like, huh, this is not what I expected. This is not not quite educational rap, which is what I was <laughs> expecting. I think it was down to just the cadence of that opening number and how, with the snaps and like the way that it sounds. I remember being like, huh, this is interesting. And I think it was like that night and like into that week, I just listened to it on a loop and did a lot of cry. I have a vivid memory of crying in the train station. <laughs> to Hamilton. So that's basically it was that I was in denial of getting into the big hyped show and then saw it on the fucking Grammys and was like, huh, look at that. <laughs> and I am the only one on here that has never seen a live production of Hamilton. So I, like some of our listeners, will be seeing it for the first time, borrowing the Disney Plus password of my boyfriend's parents to finally watch Hamilton. So. I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited for you to see it. <laughs> I I already know. I can't even like think about how the show ends and like the or- the orphanage <laughs> without like bursting into tears. So I I'm gonna be a wreck. It's gonna be bad. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, it'll, okay. it'll be a mess. <laughs> Cody. Okay, so my story is like everybody else. I was like, oh, 2015, cool, new Lin-Manuel show. I'm in New York. Let me see if I can get a ticket. Uh, uh, No way, can't get a ticket. So I was like, 
guess I just gotta be patient. And this was a time when I was like, I see every show immediately. I saw like every show, the 2015 season. So I was like, I'm gonna do that again. And like, um, you know, uh, daddy Lynn said, no, I'm not gonna be doing that. And I apologize. (laughs) Daddy Lynn. Um, anyway, moving on cut to, I moved to Chicago in 20 late 2015. And, uh, a group of friends and I, when we saw that the Chicago production was opening the next year, a full year out, which I never do because like, I cannot possibly plan um, a month for my life, let alone a year. Um, a group of like 40 ish, just random millennials cobbled together a group uh, like we were a church, but we weren't and just bought like $30 balcony group tickets a year out. And I was like, worst comes worse. I can sell these for a huge profit, but I didn't have to. And I ended up <laughs> seeing it. Um, uh, I think it was five days after the election. Uh, so oh. yeah, the show had just opened and um it was one of the better post-election things I can remember. Like one of the few therapeutic moments of it, obviously. Um, I think the power of Hamilton is that, and we will obviously get into this, among other things, it shows in a vacuum the potential of America. Um, it shows almost like an idealized, like utopic fantasy version of America if everything works perfectly. (laughs) And, you know, we know that from even before the show takes place, that's just not the case. But I think showing the potential of what this country can do at its absolute operating at its full potential is really moving, especially at a moment when this, the country was not doing that. So among other things, I think that's really what makes the show really special. Plus, it's damn good. Uh, the music's pretty good. Lyrics pretty good. It's pretty brilliantly staged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything about it is, I mean, like absolute uh, peak genius talent. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, hard to argue with that. So I guess that leaves me. Um, I actually went back through my Instagram to make sure that I had like my timeline right of when I saw the show. And what's very funny is that I realized that from the time that they dropped the cast album on NPR that day before it actually came out, my Instagram for like a solid two years looks Hamilton themed, Um, which is kind of embarrassing, but there it is. Um, So I, I think like a lot of us was kind of aware of Lynn. I followed him on Twitter, but I'd not seen any of his work. And if people might remember, they dropped the cast album on NPR like a few days before it actually released. And I, listened to the whole thing like four times that day. I was like walking across campus with like the NPR app on my phone. Um, I also distinctly remember I tweeted something and tagged Lynn in it and he liked my tweet and I like shrieked while on the quad. Uh, <laughs> and I scared, I scared a group of frat boys and I thank Lynn for that. Um, but I was pretty much automatically obsessed with it and I told my parents I was like guys this thing's gonna be huge we need to get tickets now and and so we were very lucky in that we were kind of early in to it before tickets got astronomical um while you could still buy like actual seats from the theater not the resale seats so I saw it twice in 2016 We had bought tickets for August, but then my sister said for her birthday, she wanted to go to New York and um, also see it. And so we bought more tickets for March. Um, So in March, we were in the second to last row of the Richard Rogers, which I will say is a great theater in terms of like every. Yes. Um, It's one of my favorite theaters. And 
it was like Michael said, it was like kind of like a religious experience. It felt like oddly transcendent. I will say, I think I missed like whole sections cause I was crying too hard to see what was happening. Um, like at one point an older man behind me, like handed me a tissue um, and that's that's how you know but then I did end up talking to him at intermission and turns out he was like a descendant of Samuel Seabury so that was very cool <laughs> but yeah, was wild wild um but it, it was a very interesting thing for me because it really brought my whole family together like my parents are both obsessed with it my dad has this and Peggy t-shirt that we got him for Christmas that he wears all the time <laughs> my sister was obsessed with it and it really like helped us bond as a family which was a really nice thing and I also you know those shows that hit you at a time in your life where you like need something um where you're feeling like lost and adrift and you find the show and you're like aha this is it um Hamilton was that show for me and so we saw it again in August. Uh, I, I'm trying to think. I've, like, strengthened so many friendships. I've made friends through this show. Actually, a very fun fact for our Next Best Picture listeners is the fact that uh, part of how I became friends with Will Mavity was we were in a research class together in college, and I did my presentation on the marketing of Hamilton. And that is what made us start talking and he listened to the album. Um, and, and here I am today on Next Best Picture. Uh, so that's kind of a fun thing too. But I, it's one of those shows that every time I listen to it, I get like a little bit more obsessed with it. Like I'll go for a while without listening and I'll be like, oh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a masterpiece. Yeah, but like, eh, is it overhyped? I don't know. And then I listen to it again and I'm like, no, no, it's, it's still that good. Amazing. It's still that good. And I'm so excited because I guess it's been uh, almost ex- four years since I saw it last. So I'm very excited to watch it again on Disney+. Plus. So That's fantastic. I love that, you know, you say it brought your family together. And you see that yeah. with a bunch of different people who go to shows. Like, I think in a lot of families, there's, like, the one sibling who enjoys theater and everyone else is like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. your hobby. Mm-hmm. But with Hamilton, it's like, oh, this is something we can all get behind and feel really passionate about. Yeah, my mother's obsessed with Chris Jackson, um, which is a hilarious <laughs> thing to have come out of all of this. I'm obsessed with David, who we met at Stage Door, and he is, like, the nicest man on earth. Um, my mother's obsessed with Chris Jackson. Uh, it's very my, – my sister's obsessed with Pippa Sue. Like, it's very funny. Um, but I was just curious, for, for those of you who have seen it, was it what you expected? Was it better? Did it not live up to your expectations? Did anything, like, hit – differently because I knew I was going to be emotional but I didn't know I was going to be that emotional so I am I like Lauren I generally don't listen to things before I see them I I I, I want to see everything fresh and take in the whole uh, the entirety of something because I know that there can be moments of staging and things that can completely recontextualize something that is on a cast recording and also that a cast recording is not the whole show so there is you know context missed and all that um but I had listened to individual songs from the show before I saw it um, I had listened to the opening number. I had listened to my shot. Uh, I had listened to Satisfied and like a couple of others. Um, and I, if I had had any preconceived notions about what the staging would be like, they were completely blown away 
by the the production. It is so creative and inventive and bursting with life and creativity and just <sighs> yeah literally that and it's okay i'm not opposed to people who do listen to the album without yeah. seeing the show that's totally fine but just seeing it in the story the way it's meant to be told gives you a whole different perspective like even with the blocking and again i went to a school that had that i was involved in a very intense theater program where we built everything from the ground up so when i saw that the show featured a wonderful turntable that i oh, yes. had experienced literally building and operating that made my little theater nerd heart squeal because they use it perfectly guys and even oh, with God. the stage that it's used the lighting is phenomenal the choreography Ugh. is phenomenal and you will never again you can listen to yorktown on the soundtrack you have not but if you have not seen yorktown performed you will be seeing an entirely different version yeah, the amazing thing Plus. about the amazing thing about the show is that i remember when it got a record breaking 16 tony nominations and then yeah. a nearly record tying 10 Tony Awards. A lot of, I saw some discourse that was like, it can't be that good. They're just marking down ballots essentially. And then you see the show and it's like, it maybe should have won some more Tonys. Yeah. Because every single aspect <laughs> yeah. is perfect. like, even for, even for Tonys for, even for things that don't exist. Yeah. I you mean, know, like, <laughs> well, you know, if there was a best sound design category that year, still it would have tied the producers yep. like easily. Yeah. And if there was the best ensemble, it yeah. would have won. And, and I yeah. am one of those people that actually thinks it probably should have won seating design over. She loves me. Sorry, but it's, yeah. It it every single individual award is absolutely deserved, not just that year or in a vacuum, but I would it's hard to think of things that could beat it like off the top of my head. Yeah, it is like and all due respect to Les Mis, but like I don't think I've ever seen a turntable used more effectively than in Hamilton. It it in particularly, I'm thinking about the the end of the show, the final duel between Burr and Hamilton. It that staging literally broke me. And just turning <laughs> the bullet that kills Hamilton into a damn <sighs> That entire and like shout out to Ariana Dubose, love you, girl. Yes. And the we fact that her. that part. <laughs> was turned into a featured dance part is just one stroke of the genius that you never get in the cast album. But once you actually see this character on stage and fully personifying this bullet and what it means and everything is fantastic. Is insane. And then the other moment that, that broke me and which I, sh I, by all like means I should have been prepared for it, but that moment in satisfied, <laughs> <laughs> when it the thing rewinds and like you hear it on the on the soundtrack and you go like oh that's really cool and then you see how they do it and it is brilliant holy fuck yeah. that's the last one that i've seen a bootleg of where i was just like i gotta look it up i gotta know yeah. like i and i'm sure that it plays well even on the bootleg like what 
the fuck? No, but that's the so moment funny. that broke me when I saw it, uh, again, even hearing the album and knowing this was coming, was the song Burn. Yes, oh, that's so good gorgeous. about Hamilton. Hamilton has these really intense, high-energy numbers, and then it also has these really simple, intimate numbers like Burn, like Dear Theodosia, where it's just actors doing their thing on stage, and it's amazing. Yeah, and just I the think- visual of that. You talk about the lighting design, but, uh, you know, not this, that Burning Letter is so much about lighting design, but how that's done and how it's staged in everything happening, I think it's just absolutely brilliant. And we talk about the genius of Lin-Manuel here. It's also the genius of Andy Blankenbuehler's choreography mm-hmm. and Tommy Kale directing and Alex Lacamoire and his orchestrations. It is a whole team effort. And, you know, all these people have gone on to do amazing things in the years since. But seeing everyone in sync right here, it's just a treasure to behold. I like there. I don't think, I, I can't think of another show in which every single person that was involved in it from the creative staff down to like everyone in like the tiniest role in the ensemble became a huge name in theater. Like I can't, the closest thing that I can think of is rent. And even then it's wild too, especially I, you know, to have seen it like with the original cast and then to watch people like uh, Jasmine Cephas Jones and Anthony Ramos go on to start starring in like big movies. Yeah. Uh, it's a very weird experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how many people um, from this cast have kind of been able to use it to really kickstart a career and, mm-hmm. you know, get to, I think, achieve a lot of very cool things that they might not have gotten to do without this show. Yeah, it's like the Ivy League of shows. It's like it you really see it on is. your resume and you're like, oh, damn. All right, you graduated from Hamilton. Okay. Yeah. I'm the original Broadway company of Hamilton. Give me the role. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say, I just do want to backtrack real quick. The scene that broke me is a scene that's not on the cast album. And I want to warn any of our listeners who are listening to this before they watch the show. Uh, there is a scene that is not Casey, on the album. Your ears. Yeah, I, <laughs> that bullet thing. I'm like, um, what are you saying? So, <laughs> like, oh, it, no. it, and for those, those people who have seen it, it's the scene um, in which Hamilton receives some news in a letter. Uh, and it, it, I mean, I think if you've seen it, you'll know. It broke me. It broke me into pieces. I still think about it on a weekly basis, and it's been almost four years since I saw it. Um, it's astounding. I think it's also, it really is one of those moments that goes to show that as much as Hamilton is, uh, like you were saying, Lauren, very much about spectacle in many ways, and these big group numbers and these high-energy scenes, it also really, really excels at small intimate scenes um, with one or two characters. And I think that that is one of the things that's most impressive about it because I find that most shows can do one or the other. Yeah, I think the the decision to stage it in a an almost empty space and really strip it back down to like the barest bones of the theatrical experience and also like the balls to keep that staging for Broadway in the Richard Rodgers, which is like one of the larger Broadway houses is a stroke of genius 
and they really did everything that they could to make use of that space, like things that no one had even ever thought of or considered doing before. And it, it's, <sighs> it, I'm sorry, like, like it. I really like lose all ability to form words when I think about some of the moments of this show because it, like, who thinks of these things? And like, I want to get inside Tommy Kale's brain <laughs> and just like live there forever. <laughs> um. So I know that we've talked about some of our favorite moments, but I'm just curious, what is everyone's favorite song or one of your favorite songs? If you're like me and you can't choose a definitive favorite from the show. I used to always say that mine was nonstop, which makes sense because I'm very much a one day more type of gal. <laughs> Love a good medley. Now I think it's satisfied, which I think deep down it was always <sighs> satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. Uh, it's that and wait for it. Those are my two. I That's so big, sad, <laughs> not quite a ballad, but like. Where it's both triumphant, but you're also crying. <laughs> yeah, no, I Casey, those two are my favorite as well. <laughs> I wait this when I ha- I had not heard "Wait for It" before seeing it, and and I was still like coming down off the high. I like for my for my money, the helpless into satisfied is oh. like the peak of the show like that is theater. of the, <laughs> the that is the most brilliant writing it's it's so good and, and then wait for it is not far behind and that. then wait there was like yeah. one number in between satisfied and wait for it and it's this little itty bitty thing and then it goes right into wait for it and i'm still reeling from that and it, he goes into wait for it and I'm sitting there, like, looking, and who, the guy, it's like Aaron Burr is staring right into my soul and singing it. And I'm just, I, I completely broke down in tears. And it was not even the end of Act One or even halfway through Act One. What the fuck is this show? And then he just drops the lines of, like, life doesn't discriminate between yes. winners and say, like, excuse me, Lynn, we are 30 minutes into the show. <laughs> Stop it! This is supposed to happen two hours later. <sighs> no. But I will say, those are great. Like, for a number, my favorite is Yorktown, because I think this the music oh, plus yes. the physicality and the choreography and the costumes and the blocking is amazing and i always low-key wish that was the act one closer in my opinion but i will i do want to highlight how smart burn is because i remember the story of lynn saying that he couldn't find a single thing that eliza said after there's a scandal that's broken out and he's looking for eliza's reaction for it which would be the song burn and eliza doesn't have a reaction she doesn't let the public know what she's thinking so it made Lynn very confused and very stuck on how to write her musical number about it. And in, because so then he switched the song to be about how she's not going to say anything, which I think is an incredibly smart way of writing it. And I also love subtlety in theater. I think it's extremely, extremely, extremely hard because theater is so big and you have to fill up this entire theater and hit all these 1,000 seats. But if you can get an actor and if you get a song and if you get a scene just right where the audience inches in where she the actor doesn't have to project so much 
and can tell with subtlety and could just be in the scene. I think it's an extremely powerful thing. And I think Byrne and all the Elizas, and we, but of course, shout out to Pippa Sue, really pulls it together with that. So I shout out to Eliza. That's my girl right there. That my favorite um, vocal moment on the uh, cast recording is Philip is doing that. You, you, you. In it's burn. so good. It, oh, it's like, oh, it's that one moment of pure anger that seeps through everything else. And it just kills me every time. And that's, yeah, there's it that makes moment. you move forward in the seats. That's like what I'm trying yeah. to describe, which is so rare in theater. It's so rare. Yeah, that's the lead up to the moment that gets me in burn. I like when she says, I'm erasing myself from the narrative. That's the moment where I'm like, okay, this is what's going on here. Obviously, we know what the song's about before, but this is where it goes to a reaction to really internalized emotion. And that's a really important moment in the context of the show. It's a genius. I Obviously, there are so many songs in the show that are amazing, but... One of my favorites is um, It's Quiet Uptown because I love pain. <laughs> um, I climbed um, that walking home today and had snot yep. in my mask. So, yep. yeah. The, as, as good as it is in the show, y'all, the Kelly Clarkson version on the Hamilton mixtape. I can't. I can't. I can't even. I can't. I can't. Nothing I makes can't. my mother more angry than that cover. <laughs> <laughs> and Hurricane is also one of my favorite numbers because I think that it, it's one of the things that stuck with me from seeing Lynn in the role of Hamilton. Um, I, it's a really beautiful number. And, like, there's that line in it the I wrote my way out bit that like every time I listen to it it gets me but I actually think that Lynn doesn't get enough credit for how good he was in this role um particularly his acting I know some people don't like his voice and that's whatever but he acted the hell out of the role of Alexander Hamilton particularly in moments like that and like the stay alive um reprise killed me uh and I I, whenever I saw it, I actually came out of it much more impressed with Lynn than I was with Leslie Adam Jr. And I love Leslie. I think he's a brilliant actor, but I do think he's vocally hit or miss sometimes based on between whenever I saw it, he had several moments and then some of the live performances that they, you know, performed on like every award show ever. Uh, And I, I just think that Lynn was so good in this role. And there was something really weirdly like meaningful about seeing him play this role that he had written. And I feel like Hurricane is kind of where that all comes together. I love it. See, that's interesting what you were saying, what you were saying about Lynn and Leslie, because my favorite song in the show, I think is the showcase for Leslie, the song that I believe won him the Tony, and that's The Room Where It Happens. The the bop to end all bops. (laughs) (laughs) The energy of that number, the lighting design, I keep talking about that lighting, but there are these like rectangular boxes that go around different parts of the stage during the show and the way they're presented during the room where it happens underneath different dancers. It is just so incredible and adds to the already incredible energy of that moment. And it starts off sort of slow with, you know, how, you know, this character to be, he's more uptight than Hamilton, obviously, but then he just goes all out for the finale and you go, Oh my God, this guy, Leslie Adam Jr. Just from the album alone. Uh, who is this? Where did he come from? This is just such an amazing dynamic performer, what you're seeing here. And, you know, that's the thing I think put him over the top at, at the Tony Awards in 2016. I also, I hate to be that person, but 
<laughs> Do any of y'all know the cut song Congratulations? No. I don't. Oh my no. god. Okay. I do. There was a, thank you. There was I a cut song do. for Angelica that I think sat right before um, Reynolds pamphlet and some of it got folded I think it was into like, Reynolds pamphlet, right? I think it like was in between or right after. It was like, I, I think Reynolds pamphlet just was not the same as we know it now. Yeah, it basically, it, it got folded into that essentially, but go look it up um, because there are demos of Renee Lee Goldsberry doing it. And it's basically Angelica rolling back in from London uh, and Hamilton being like, oh, great, you've come to support me in my time of crisis. And she's like, nah, bitch. Like, I'm here for my <laughs> sister. And it is the most cutting moment. There are more, there's more sick burns in that song than in any of the cabinet battles. Like, <laughs> and I, I know why it got cut, but it is one of my favorites. And y'all, I'm not, I'm, I wasn't lying to you. I was that Hamilton kid. Like, I know all the time. You know, you talk about a cut song. <laughs> there's relations, but then there's also the the Hamel drops that they were doing over the years. Do you remember yes. seeing them on Twitter or Apple Music? There's one that I like quite a bit. I don't know where it would have fit into the show, but it was lyrics by Lynn and music by John Kander, and it was called Cheering for Me Now. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> that's one I think is really terrific. Maybe it's just the Kander and Ebb fan in me, but uh, <laughs> just as its own song removed from the show, you know, I would have been interested to see where it fits in with the story. I... I have to give a shout out to the Reynolds pamphlet, actually, since you were kind of talking about that, Nicole, just for the never going to be president now, never going to oh, be president yeah. now. And the, the moment, and again, like something that is not captured on the album, but like the moment when King George walks across the stage for that. Oh, it's so perfect. good. It's so funny. Just like take an already iconic moment and make it even more iconic just for the hell of it, because why not? Like, come on. So good. Oh, also, while I'm mentioning cut songs, everyone listening, go look up Congratulations. Also, look up One Last Ride, which was originally Hamilton's farewell song. Just for the line, it, it was Washington. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Washington's very well song. Just for the line where Hamilton yells, "Pay your fucking taxes," um, because I love that. Like that is one of my favorite lines, even though it was cut. Like <laughs> that is what I look for it's in so Hamilton. <laughs> Does anyone else have like a weird random song from this that they'll get stuck in their head to the point of like nauseating? Because for me, for some reason. It's take a break, and I do not know why. <laughs> yes, and it's when the two sisters go up like through each other. And like, that's, I, I don't even different. know what part it is. It's but it's when Angelica comes back, and they just keep, do the catch and re- release, and the catch and the release, and he's like, I have to say, and they're like, look around, look around, and I'm like, that will always pop in my head once every three months. Skylar sisters will always pop into my head, like, on an almost daily basis. <laughs> I don't know if I would consider that a random song. Like That's one of the bigger songs from the show. That okay. People... I know, but, like, it's the one that is always in my head. <laughs> random song? I get the election of 1800 stuck in my head all the time. And I don't know why. Like, it's it's a bop, but also, like, why is that what my brain brings up? Yeah. Like, where Mine is related to Nicole's seatmate, and that's Farmer Refuted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another bop, though, honestly. Yeah. Absolutely. Cody, what about you? 
what's your random song? So it's um I was thinking about like what my favorite song is in the show and it's it's hard, you know, it's hard competition. I think this moment though that solidifies the show from being just like this is incredible to this is an all-time masterpiece is the finale who lives who dies who tells your story. So I think the way it recontextualizes everything we've seen so far in just 2 minutes or and we it's almost like um a more thematically appropriate mega mix. Like we would get at the end of like mom me or something. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, we, we throughout the whole show, we've heard themes of legacy and time and how do you use time and uh, making advantage of your time and like what a legacy is. If you can't know what your legacy is going to be when you're alive and the finale summarizes all of that in like a really surprisingly moving way. Um, I remember when I first listened to it, I had to, I was driving, the first time I listened to the album, I literally had to pull my car over because I was crying Smart. so hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then immediately started the album all over again once it ended because it just, you want to hear everything again with that context. And to my mind, I think it's the greatest finale ever written in musical history. I can't think of a better one off the top of my head. I would agree. Just in terms of what it does for the show and also um, in terms of emotional impact, it, it fully does the job of what a finale should do and then some. It's and so I also good. like the first time I heard that song. song, you know, like I feel like there's a lot of shows where the finale is like a reprise of something else or something that's like a bigger mm-hmm. song in the show to have it be its own thing and also like stand on its own as well as being like a great closing point for it. Uh, yeah, I, I ball my face. And But that. like. But even at that, like, I love what you were saying, Cody, like how it's how this like thematically appropriate mega mix. And he the the way that Lynn has inserted like these themes it, it, throughout like all of the songs in the show, there are repeated lines and motifs and callbacks to other numbers that are just it it's kind of mind blowing. And it is one of those things that like you can't possibly take it all in fully the first time you listen to it or the first time you see it you can get that it's there you can get what he's doing but you don't realize like the magnitude of it like how often it happens and how smart it is until you've listened to it more than once yeah i don't remember who said it but i remember seeing something that said to the effect the finale um kind of makes you leave the theater realizing that the title of the play of the musical could be referring to either Eliza or Alexander. That is correct. Yeah. yeah. When yeah I was... That finale, when it ties it all together, the first time I, I actually heard it was right after the album came out. So it's like October 2015. I was actually at the gym on the treadmill listening to it when it oh came God. on. And then she's singing about the orphanage. I'm like, oh my goodness. And this is not good running music. I gotta like stop this. <laughs> no. Run for a yeah, second. It's almost not fair to put maybe the objectively like most mournful word in the English language, the orphanage, on such a chord progression <laughs> as it does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like engineered to make With you cry. Crescendo, it's like not good. No, but I remember um, when I was at the theater when that happened where the song ended and like it's fading out and everyone's just standing there. Someone in the audience said, thank you, Eliza, right before it went to blackout. Yes! But, ah, like literally it was a speechless moment because again, that song will change. Your perspective of the song will change once you see the blocking, once you see what the main characters in the song do. 
And it is a ridiculously powerful, meaningful moment that you will not forget as a viewer. Nicole, what other questions do we have to you know bring so, us through, or are we wrapping it up um, here with Deal? I think I've I've got two more questions. One one I I just want to get a quick debate. I want to know your guys' thoughts. Is Guns and Ships the hardest rap in the show to do? Yes. I think it's like the hardest song in musical history. You need a lot of breath control. <laughs> you need a lot of breath control. You have to like, in order to not have it all be jimble jam, like you have to like enunciate, but also be very fast. It, yeah. Because it's I like, think like, obviously it's the fastest song. I also do think that Renee Lee Schoolsbury does not get enough credit for Satisfied and how she got difficult the Tony. that song yeah, but is no one so talks about difficult it in terms of how she does that song and how difficult that song is like do you remember back when this came out and everyone would compete for like oh I can rap guns and ships like oh I remember I being so proud of myself when I finally got satisfied yeah, yeah. right it's so hard and there's also hold on I'm trying to think what song it is there's a bit of um a bit Jefferson. of Skylar sisters. She has some like faster stuff, but yeah. Yeah, but like seriously, like I have by this point, I've listened to it so many times that I have satisfied, memorized. But it is mm-hmm. so fucking hard <laughs> to do it without having her in the background. Yep, <laughs> as like a guiding track. Guns and Ships is fast, be- is hard because it's so fast, but that one is hard because of the words that are put together. Like, yeah. I also and think the way the rhythm Washington changes. Okay, Nicole, yeah. I was going to say Washington on your side. Yeah, yeah I think that's the one. Whole, I'm, I'm in the cabinet, I'm complicit. That yeah, one. Washington isn't going to listen to Disciplined Dissidents. Dissidents yeah, that's, is yeah, the difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that is so, many, so hard. It's so many matching consonants and like assonance and alliteration, and it's that is something that will just get lost it in your mouth if you're not careful. me weeks to teach myself that and I sat down and taught myself guns and ships in like one sitting and then I couldn't get that for weeks and it annoyed the hell out of me see I I admire that so much that you take the time to actually learn these lyrics like I will you know understand what's going on when I listen to the album and know it as I'm you know seeing the show on Broadway for the first time but I cannot do the shelf it off my head in any way shape or form I do think I could probably do this show top to bottom, which says a lot about who I was my junior year of college. Ships. <laughs> um, I saw a great tweet this past week that says, well, I guess now that it's coming out on Disney Plus, Hercules Mulligan is a Disney princess. Yes, bitch. Work. Oh, wow. I am so excited for this to come out on Disney Plus. And the last thing that I wanted for us to talk about was... What is something that you are looking forward to seeing in the filmed version, whether that has to do with um, how they filmed it, like something that you're excited to find out or something that you remember that you can't wait to see again? I was just curious if anyone has something specific that they're looking forward to. I think I'm looking forward. Can I start since I'm the only one that hasn't actually seen it? I think for me, and it kind of ties back to the episode that we did about filmed theater about if I'm ever going to see it for the first time, getting to be like up close and get a really great view of the actors. And Mm. I think that they're, this isn't just plopping a camera in front of a stage and going like they've took the time and the effort and filmed multiple performances did came in on their days off and like shot 
so they could get good close-ups. So I think I'm really excited to really truly be able to see it. Cause I feel like whenever I would have been able to see it on a stage, it would have been from way above. And while I still think it probably would have been incredible staging, I think it'll be probably almost give new meaning to certain things. And I think maybe it'll be interesting to see what in certain moments they choose to focus on. So I'm excited to almost see like a different sort of direction to it as being filmed. Does that make any sense? And just, yeah, the whole thing overall, I'm excited to see what you can't see on a cast album. Absolutely. I am. I'm very excited because I saw it twice and I never saw Renee Elise Goldsberry as Angelica. And Mm -hmm. I love Angelica. She's my favorite character. No surprise there. I'm a Joe March girl. So of course I'm an Angelica Schuyler girl. Um, (laughs) Like that just goes hand in hand, I think. Mm -hmm. But she was off both times I saw it. So I'm really excited to finally get to see that performance. Yeah, that's sort of like mine. When I saw it in Philadelphia, it obviously wasn't with the original cast. And they were all phenomenal, but it wasn't Lynn and Leslie and David and all those great people. So I'm excited to see that cast and the energy that they bring to it, the reason that they won all those Tonys. Uh, But, you know, these casts that they've had in subsequent productions and tours have been nothing less than extraordinary. Uh, When I saw it in Philadelphia, the actor who I saw as Aaron Burr actually looked like Cory Booker. At a time oh, in the Democratic primary when I was actually a little mad at Cory Booker. Don't worry, we're all good now. It's all fine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as I was watching the show, I was like, yeah, you are a villain, Aaron Burr. <laughs> but we are all good now. We all, we're all good. Good. <laughs> I, I'm i most looking forward to seeing how those like break my brain moments get translated to film. I'm just, like, I'm just excited to see it again, honestly. Because, like, you know, despite repeated tries, I still have not won the lottery. And I'm beginning <laughs> to think it's rigged. And I, I, I'm i just excited to, like, see it and luxuriate in this staging again. And, like, and to, like, getting to see the, the original cast. I think it, the thing about it is it's a show that if you see any professional production of it, it is going to be great because the material is so strong that it almost doesn't matter who's performing it. But even still, like I, I want to see Renee Goldsberry. I want to see um, David Diggs and Chris Jackson and Philip Sue and, and like every single one of them. And I want to see, you know, like them do the performance that made them famous you know, I agree with that. I mean, I do know that it's Broadway, so it's literally the most talented people on the planet are doing this, these parts, and you will get a fantastic performance no matter who does it. I saw the second year version of Hamilton, so my Hamilton was Javier Munoz, and then yeah, I had who was fantastic, who was fantastic. I had Brandon Victor Dixon, yeah, I had Brandon Victor Dixon as Aaron Burr. I had Randy Gonzalez as a mm-hmm. as Angelica. I had Lexi Lawson as Eliza. I had a phenomenal, phenomenal cast. Yeah. That was the same cast I saw too. I think. Yeah, they're phenomenal. But I am really excited to see um, the original Broadway cast, the original off Broadway cast. Because I think there is something special about an original cast that goes through the process of putting a show together and just the chemistry of that and the chicken and the egg of the actor and the character and the research. And you know that the composers, you know, Lynn made those songs for them, for their particular range and for their particular talents. So I think it's very special. So I can't wait to see them. Awesome. Cody. Um, yeah. I mean, kind of what everybody else said, I, I, I'm really interested to see the original cast. I, I got to see in Chicago a 
pretty phenomenal cast. It was Josh Henry as Aaron Burr and Karen oh. as Angelica. So, oh, Lord. You know, not to brag, but like, all right, I'm doing all right. <laughs> we're doing all right here in Chicago. Um, but be, like I said, they were so instrumental to the show forming and also becoming the sensation it was because of their performances of the cast album, among other things. So I'm just really interested to see some, you know, Tony winning performances. Awesome. Does anyone else have any final thoughts that they wanted to share before we wrap up? I know that obviously there was so much that we couldn't touch on and cover and we didn't want to do like a full analysis episode. Maybe at some point in the future, we might, you know, want to do one where we talk about some specific parts of the show in a more, you know, similar way to our normal episodes. But um, I felt like it was just time for us to kind of talk about our our personal relationships and our feelings about Hamilton before it comes out on Disney plus and everybody can see it. So did anyone have anything that they wanted to say that they didn't get a chance to? Uh, yeah, real fast. Yeah. I just, I don't want to open up a, an entire debate because we could go on for a long time, but uh, mm-hmm. it's been kind of a love fest of Hamilton, obviously um, for good reason. It's, you know, a masterpiece. And mm-hmm. I just do though. Um, there's been some critiques of it, obviously. And I think one of the more interesting critiques that I also have some, like, it makes me go, hmm, interesting, is uh, its depiction of uh, slave-owning founding fathers in kind of an unbalanced light. And what I mean by that is Jefferson is rightfully criticized for, among many other things in the show, he's basically (laughs) a parody of a politician um, for owning slaves, whereas Washington, who famously, you know, own slaves that, you know, he had a tobacco farm. His tobacco farm is even mentioned in the show, um, but the enslaved people that harvested it are not mentioned. And it's kind of interesting because Washington is completely lionized by the show. And I just, I wonder why there is that disparity. I think the obvious answer is because this is mostly through Hamilton's perspective, but that's not entirely the case. A lot of it is through Aaron Burr's perspective, who's acting as, you know, audience surrogate for a lot of the show. I just... Again, I don't want to open a can of worms, but if anybody had any additional thoughts on the subject, I'd love to hear them. Well, yeah, that my the the thing that I really wanted to say, like I, there were a couple of things that I want to say before we left, but the thing that was big in my mind is that you know Nicole is such a history buff, and I wanted to know what she thought about the liberties that the this show does take with history. Yeah, I think that <laughs> it's an interesting thing because with a two-hour musical, obviously, or well, a little bit more than two hours, but you can't uh, get everything right about the founding of America. (laughs) Um, Obviously there are things that are glossed over. There are some things that are changed around. I think that for me, it does go back to the fact that, you know, Lynn did base it on a biography. He did work with Ron Chernow, um, who is kind of the Hamilton biographer. And there was a definite um, effort to make it as historically accurate as they could while still telling the story that they wanted to tell. And for me, that's what a lot of the whole historical accuracy comes down to is, did you know when you were changing something or was it lazy? Um, (laughs) Imitation game. (laughs) Not that we're calling anyone out for that specifically, Graham Moore. but (laughs) (laughs) But I think that What's really interesting is I've actually read a couple of things talking about how a lot of the characters in the show are depicted um, through the personas of their writing. So that's why the Mm -hmm. Jefferson that we see in this show is pretty flamboyant and out there, even though Jefferson himself was definitely not that in his personality in real life. That is the persona of his writing. And that is how a lot of the interactions between uh, Hamilton and him happened was through writing. And I thought that was a really interesting spin on it as well as kind of 
Um, a lot of what we know of these people is based on historical documents that we have that they wrote and kind of how that plays into mm. legacy um, and how we see them today. So I do think that obviously the whole issue of how slave owners are portrayed in the show and also having um, black actors playing uh, these historical figures who owned slaves is um, a really interesting one. And I think that's something that we like hasn't entirely been grappled with yet. But I do know that in one of the um, specials about Hamilton, there was a very interesting, and I can't remember, I think it was the PBS one, um, a very interesting passage of Chris Jackson, who is the original cast, uh, George Washington. It was the PBS one. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about kind of how he had to come to terms with that and how he grappled with it. And I think that that's a very interesting thing. I I recommend seeking out that special. Um, And I, I think that Obviously, every actor who plays these roles is going to have to grapple with it in their own way. Um, but I think it's good to have a conversation about that. Yeah, I the, the it's a really interesting thing, and there is one moment in that I can clearly recall. Um, I think it's in one of in the first cabinet battle, maybe um, when. Jefferson is talking about, you know, the Southern plantations and how they grow things and someone else comes in and I'm like, they're like, oh, really? Do you now? We all know who actually grows those things. We all know yeah, what Hamilton who makes the South great. really doing the planting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like it, and I, and I think that it's, it, I think that that is enough for me but then again i am a cisgender white male so i maybe have different expectations of something you know than than someone whose ancestors actually were slaves in the south um and i think it's something as a nation we have yet to grapple with and it would be very difficult to grapple with that in the course of this show I also will say, I think that it's admirable that the show has kind of brought John Lawrence um, to light, who was uh, one of these contemporaries of the Founding Fathers during the war, who, because he died at a young age, has largely been forgotten by history, but was actually one of the early abolitionists. Um, and I think I think one of the good things that the show has done is kind of bring him back into the conversation um, and back into the public knowledge of history. Like, my sister took a push this past year, and it's hilarious how many of the kids in her class already knew so much of the mm. Revolutionary War unit because of Hamilton. Um, and I think that's that's something good that it's done. If we can get kids interested in history legitimately with something like this, then I think that's fantastic. I love it so much. And I think that one of the things that get lost in the discussion of the casting of the show, um, because the, so much has always been made of the uh, colorblind, racially, ethnically diverse casting. But I think that it's even bigger to remember that like Hamilton and Burr and Jefferson and these guys, like they were young at the time of the Re- American Revolution. Like they were in their 20s. And it, we so often think of the founding fathers as, you know, like actual father age or like the age that they were when we see other presidential portraits, you know, like we think of them as old men. And it's important to remember that they like up outside of Washington, who was very established general and was in his 40s, I think 40s or 50s at the time of the revolution, they were all in their 20s and 30s, more or less. And like... I love that, like that 
energy that it brings to these people. Like, 1776 is fine and all, but this is <laughs> this is a real reminder that these were they weren't quite men yet. There's something to be said about the whole debate regarding how the show frames history and what it chooses to include and what just doesn't get mentioned. And my whole thing with Hamilton has always been that by casting these actors very deliberately, it's reframing the way that we view these historical figures. So, you know, when you look at the conversations we're having now in American society, you can look back to the founding fathers and all these people who we're talking about who have statues put up for them and all the horrible things that did happen, but also the wonderful achievements that were made and how you balance those two things out. And Hamilton is a show that doesn't give you any answers necessarily, but it's allowing you to see that through a new lens, which I find fascinating. And I think I put enough faith in the audiences and the American public to be able to be complex enough to recognize the undeniable achievements while still, you know, condemning other actions, but seeing the show for what it is. Yeah. Um, any, any other final thoughts? Okay. I will share one fun story. So that we're ending on a fun note, uh, which is that I went to Elon university and there was a guy in my year who was in the musical theater program who was quite obsessed with Hamilton. And I got to see him in several productions at, uh, Elon, including Parade. He played Judd in our Oklahoma. And I once drunkenly approached him at a party <laughs> to tell him that I thought that he would be the ideal Hercules Mulligan James Madison. Um, <laughs> and he was very touched by this. He said it was his dream role. He actually, like, there, there were a few tears, I think, maybe. Um, and afterwards, I was like, wow, I can't believe my drunk ass did that. Um, cut forward to a, a few months after graduation when he gets cast in the tour as Hercules Mulligan, James Madison. And if you, and right before uh, quarantine started, no, transferred to the Broadway cast. So if oh you go God. to the Broadway website, he is listed there as Hercules Mulligan, uh, James Madison. Oh. So shout out to Fergie Philippe, wow. who uh, I saw that coming way before anyone else did, way before he had fans. Well, <laughs> you should ask for your 5%. Okay. So Nicole, <laughs> truly. So yes. Nicole, when this is over and when <laughs> we go for our big NBT trip to see company, when it you're, gonna hook us up? Yeah. you're calling him and getting us tickets, right? you're getting us house seats that weekend. You understand this, right? <laughs> I mean, I can do my best. I don't know that I'm close enough for that, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it's, been a pretty exciting thing to see. So, you know, dreams do come true kids. I also did once, uh, wrap guns and ships in front of him in a school presentation. So everyone know that I have run, wrapped guns and ships in front of a current cast member of Hamilton. <laughs> By the way, when Dan says we're getting house seats, I just want to clarify, he means we're getting a seat in his house to watch this on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, I also just want to say that uh, I would love for our listeners to tell us, like, what are their favorite Hamilton numbers? What are their favorite characters? Have they seen it? What cast did they see it with? Uh, please, at least at least this goes for me. Come drop into my Twitter mentions and let's have a Hamilton discussion because I am yes. always ready to talk about it. I, I think that goes for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. You know, when 
we were planning this episode, we knew that it wasn't going to be your typical breakdown of a show and we were going to squeeze all the juice out of it because you can't do that with Hamilton. We could do two more podcasts about this if we wanted to. And maybe we will one day. Maybe we'll do it in five years or the 10th anniversary. Who knows? But I think as just a way to you know, introduce this material on our end for the first time at least and have it out before the drop this coming Friday on Disney+, Plus, uh, it's good for people to know our relationship and know where we stand and, you know, just have this minor conversation and I look forward to even more Hamilton talk in the future. I think that this is, this is coming Hamilton on Disney plus could not be coming at a better time. Um, I think that, you know, it's been a really crazy living through a time, the only time in my lifetime when it felt like the whole country was talking about, a Broadway musical and not just theater people, like everybody. Like this was in the on the billboard charts, like near at the top of the billboard charts, the original Broadway cast recording. And that does not happen. And that zeitgeist continues today. Yeah. Even just last week, John Bolton put out a book called The Room Where It Happened. Yeah. And like it this is it has Jesus. the what is a legacy. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> but like this show has that left the biggest cultural impact of any Broadway show that I can think of, you know, at least any that I can think of that is at, been premiered in my lifetime. And it is so exciting to see and to have been there for it. Like, so like, it's kind of nice to like have this little moment to think about like when, you know, we have, when like kids and grandkids and nieces and nephews or whatever are around and like, you know, ask us to tell stories like, what was it like seeing Hamilton for the first time with, you know, right when it was new. And I can like, I can feel like that's going to be a question. And because people are still going to be knowing and talking about this in years. And I coming at, you know, just before July 4th, right after Pride Month and after everything that has been happening this month and everything that's been happening this year in 2020, like, we need this show right now. <laughs> yeah. See, and who said the 4th of July blockbuster was dead? Right, you know, I mean, all we're missing is Will Smith as Lafayette, really. And it fits right in there with all those July 4th blockbusters. That is a wonderful note to take us out on. Anything else before we close out Hamilton part one, I'll call it? No? All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us for this Hamilton Love Fest. Stay tuned for our next episode later this month, where we will continue discussing Broadway favorites. But in the meantime, Nicole, where can our listeners find you on Twitter? You can come talk to me about all things Angelica Schuyler at Nicole Ackman 16. Dan? You can find me on Twitter at Dance and Dan on Film. Casey? You can find me on Twitter at Casey Lee Clark. Cody? I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at CodyMonster91. And Lauren? You all can find me on the Twitter at Lauren Lamango. Once again, I'm Michael Schwartz. You can find me on Twitter at MSchwartz95. Thank you for being a Patreon subscriber. You can find additional Next Best Picture and Next Best Theater content on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you all next time. Thank you.